last week we saw an amazing event where we see Jesus Christ himself ascending into the clouds. We know that right now we believe that he is sitting on the right hand of the Father where he will reign and rule forever. And it was magnificent. How in the world will that ever be topped, they say? Well, here we have in chapter 2 another picture, another vision, another something that will really blow our minds. The giving, or another way to say it, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity here in live action. How in the world are we to believe this? I want to backtrack between chapters 1 and 2 and ask, what were the people doing? There was about 120 of them. What were they doing? We know that Jesus appeared. For 40 days. And there he taught and he showed great miracles. He ate with them, all types of things. And then on the 40th day, he ascended into heaven. Here we know that we are in Pentecost, which was 50 days post-resurrection. And so for 10 days, these people simply waited. Jesus gave them a command. Go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there. And I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. Day one came and went. Day two came and went. Day three and then day four, day five, six and seven, a whole week has passed. And they've started to doubt a little bit. What is going to happen? Today is about a day of God keeping his promises because that's what he does. He never hijacks the story and just leaves us all by by ourselves. Instead, What he says will happen will actually happen, even though there's a span or a major delay. I wonder if any of you are in some of that delay, where you know that God is who he says he is, but it simply hasn't come into fruition yet. And maybe you are getting a little bit fidgety. And maybe this 10-day span was just too much for these people to handle. What were they going to do? The only thing that they were going to do is to rest on what Jesus said. I want you to go and I want you to wait and wait for the Holy Spirit. So sat and sit and sleep and eat and wait is what they did. God is always good for his promises. But for some of us, we feel duped. Some of us, we look at God and we think that sometimes he's a little bit of a sham because some of the promises in the scriptures you see or you read, and you're like, that's not what's true to me. And so you find yourself just a little bit disappointed. In the year 1998, I know that some of you weren't even born then, and that makes me very sad to know that uh, I had already graduated high school. But in 1998, there were some of those people that were disappointed They were lefties all around the world. So if you are a left-handed person in here, just like I am, just know that we have gotten the short end of the stick a lot. First and foremost, you have to write left to right. And so when you do that, you drag your writing hand through all of your ink and through all of your pencil. And so you both smear what you write, and then you also end up with an amazing tattoo right here on the palm of your hand. It's amazing. In In kindergarten, they give you a desk for righties, right? If anybody's shaking here, y'all are lefties. And they ask you to cut. Learn how to cut with scissors that were built for right-handed people. I'm telling you, injustice, beyond injustice. 
But in 1998, we get our stand because in the front page, not the front page, but a full page ad in the USA Today, Burger King saved all of us. Today, today, Burger King introduces the left-handed Whopper. And so it goes into all of this detail where the, all of the, the, the lettuce and the tomatoes, even the ketchup and the mustard were distributed in order to favor all lefties everywhere. And so all across the country, lefties would show up at the counters and say, I want the left-handed Whopper, to which everyone smiled and grinned because they knew what today was and the lefties didn't. It was April 1st. 1998. It was all a big hoax. It was a prank. It was an April Fool's joke. And so there's a little bit of disappointment. It's silly, right? But there's a little bit of disappointment. What's not silly is when we read some of God's commands and we are faithfully keeping those commands, but God is simply delayed in that. Here we have 10 days what they call a pregnant pause, just a stop in history where nothing is happening. Is God really on the move or are we just going to sit here forever? Today, we want you to be reminded that God is always keeping his promises for us. And one of those promises that he said he was going to keep is that he was going to bring and pour out and share and give the Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, three in one, all three gods. God the Father is reigning and ruling. Of course, he sends uh, God the Son in the form of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, we know that he is hovering over the faces of the water. And that's kind of what he does for all eternity past as he hovers over all things. He comes and goes. He makes some great entrances into the Old Testament, but he's probably the most uh, mysterious of the three uh, persons of the Trinity. And what Jesus is saying here is I want you to go and I want you to wait because the third person of the Trinity is about to descend on you. And so then he waited. John chapter 14, 15, 16, if you want to go back and read some of Jesus' teachings on the Holy Spirit. It's amazing where we're able to see that. Paul is so expressive that he describes the Holy Spirit as the long expect, expected Spirit of God. He's, he's meant to be delayed. He's meant to actually have to wait on him. But we see on this day, Acts chapter 2, this pouring out, the, out of the Holy Spirit, and it will blow all of our minds. Because where the Holy Spirit was once hovering over the face of the waters, we now have something different. He is actually indwelling the people of God. He is living in us. The supernatural of all supernaturals. This unbelievable gift to you and me. Jesus says, I'm about to give you a gift. The Holy Spirit, which will be my presence for everyone. And so here we are in the year 2024, and we are living in the age of the Spirit. Jesus Christ is interceding for the saints to the right hand of the Father, but here we have indwelling in all of us the Holy Spirit. Here's what is remarkable. 120 people watched Jesus Christ for three years, 
They heard him teach. They watched him do miracles. They saw him die on the cross and be raised again. That's what they saw him come and do. For three full years, they were able to see that happen in front of them. And here's what you need to know. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for people like you and me to watch Jesus do miracles or listen to his teachings. What was going to change the world was power. And the way that power was going to come to you and me was through the Holy Spirit himself. So let's look at verse 1, all right? What is, is exactly is going on? So verse 1, I know, I said we're going to get through 21 of these. Uh, yeah, your, your uh, guess is as good as mine. All right, so when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Here we go. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is uh, one of three major festivals in the Jewish calendar. There's three major ones. Uh, you have Passover first, and then Pentecost, and then Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. Passover, if you remember, is what we celebrate during Easter. That is when the people of Israel were being enslaved by Egypt, and they were only freed by the precious blood or the sacrificial substitutionary blood of a baby lamb. And for thousands of years, they had been celebrating the fact that the only way that they were free, delivered from slavery, is that someone else, something else, had to shed blood, give up their life for their freedom. Now Jesus, during Passover week, right, he goes into the upper room and he shares Passover with his people because Jesus himself is about to become the Passover lamb. He is going to sacrifice. He is going to substitute his death for our freedom. So that was Passover. Pentecost, Penta being five or 50, is 50 days removed from that moment. So Jesus Christ had officially died 50 days ago. So Pentecost is 50 days from Passover. Of these three uh, uh, feasts, Passover, Pentecost and Yom Kippur. Every man over the age of 12 have to leave where they live and go to Jerusalem in order to make sacrifices to the Lord. And so they would literally like empty all of the regions around them and go into Jerusalem in order to celebrate these, these festivals. Some people say that Jerusalem would explode to about 200,000 people, all of which had one purpose, to worship God in, in a very orderly manner. So here we have, on the day of Pentecost, the city is full, maybe 200,000 people, and we're here looking at and just waiting for something to happen. And that's when it happens. So verse 2. On the day that Pentecost arrived, when they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you've been in the church, you may have read this paragraph. If you haven't been to the church, you're like, what the what is going on here? This is crazy cakes. And what Luke is trying to say is, y'all, it was crazy. Look at verse 2. And it was like 
meaning this is some kind of reality that I don't even know how to explain very well. So I'm just going to give you descriptive language in order to help you out. And this is what he's happening. What he does is he tells us that we need our senses to even understand that. First and foremost, what do you hear, right? You hear something like wind. It was like wind for us. So this wind is interesting because both in the original language and what they were speaking, this wind also means breath. If you go back to Genesis and the beginning of of creation, Adam and Eve, God actually goes to Adam and he does something to him. He breathes into him. That is the same word that is happening here. This breath or this wind or another interpretation, power is able to go into to them. It was like a rushing wind. You, they didn't know where it came from. They didn't know where it was going. That's all they knew how to do is to say, this is this thing that happened to us. And Luke is trying to get our imaginations going. We weren't there. He knows that we weren't there, but he's trying to capture our, uh, our imagination. We lived in Arkansas for a while. It's called Tornado uh, Alley. That means every spring and every summer, right, there could be a storm that would come and you'd have to make for cover. Some of you have been at the beach. Everything's fine and great until a gust of wind comes, picks up your umbrella, and turns it into a weapon. Now, this is the type of power that wind actually happens to come. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going, but you see its effects. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's able to move it. Not only sounds like wind, but also there was a sight. There were tongues of fire. They were actually seeing with their own eyes something that looked like fire rest upon them. I know, it's wild. It's crazy. But again, it is so significant because oftentimes in the Old Testament, when we're thinking about all of these promises that the Lord is coming to fulfillment here, oftentimes with the presence of God, you also see fire. Remember Moses and the burning bush? And there God tells him to take off of his sandals because right now you are standing on holy ground. This is the early church and they were having a Moses moment because God is about to speak to them and eventually through them. In the same way that Moses will be his spokesman, so shall the early church be our spokesman. The nation of Israel were walking and wandering through the desert and the wilderness. And what guided them? What kept them warm? The scriptures call it a pillar of light. Hebrews tells us that God is our consuming fire. Because in every temple, and every tabernacle, there was a representation of fire with them. Even now, if we go camping or something like that, we build a fire to both illuminate something and to warm us. This is what Luke is trying to tell us is the benefits of the Holy Spirit. He will both illumine and warm the local church in an amazing, amazing way. But then, probably the most significant of all of it, verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. 
And so here is something more remarkable than wind and more remarkable than fire, if you can believe it. Wind also inside the house, by the way. Is that these people started to speak a different language. This third phenomenon that was experienced on this day of Pentecost, this idea was that different languages were happening. Remember last week where we see the command of Jesus? Jesus tells us, I want you to go and be my witnesses. The only way that we can witness is to actually use our words. And one of the most remarkable first things of the local church is that they began to speak. But not speak in a natural dialect, but instead to do something differently, to speak in a different language all at once. And it was remarkable. Starting in verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and Libya and Cyrene and visitors of Rome. Fifteen different people groups represented right here on the day of Pentecost, all from the farthest west, all the way east, mentioned over and over and over. A list of all of the regions because God wanted to speak through his people. The promised Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a he. And what he wants to do is to bring power. Not to give you chill bumps, not to give you an emotional experience, but to turn you into a mouthpiece of God. The word amazing happens twice in this passage. Everybody is amazed. And the reason that they are amazed is because these simpletons, 120 of them, start speaking in amazing languages and dialects, perfectly understood in an instant. I don't know if you've done any international travel, but you know that this break in language that actually creates a barrier between us. Think about ordering a pizza in Russian, right? You can't do it. Think about your grandma, grandmother trying to explain some kind of quantum physics. It would blow your mind. That's what's happening. 120 people, most of them from Appalachia, from Galilee. They had a country twain, all filled with the Holy Spirit and with perfect dialect began to speak. That's what the Holy Spirit did. And I would say, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Because He wants to turn us into people who will declare the mighty works of God over and over and over again. From the farthest west to east, God loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that his only son can give the Holy Spirit to us. The reason we opened up the passage with Genesis chapter 12 is that from the very beginning, God's people have had a, have a, have had a love for the world around them. Parthians and Medes 
Egyptians and Pontus and Asia and over and over and over again, just continuing to give away the mighty works of God. And with this moment, two major barriers just crumble. This idea of location and the idea of language. In a real way, in this moment, with God's people now speaking on behalf of him, all of these people who hear these things, Maybe 200,000 Jews filled the city, saw something that day, and then went back home. And guess what they were talking about when they got home? What they experienced. Somehow, someway, through all the regions of the world, God and His sovereignty got all of those people into one place at one time so they could hear the mighty works of God in their own language so they could go back home and continue on over and over and over. We're about to hear the story of the Ethiopian eunuch who's a long way from home, and he's reading a passage and he's asking, tell me about this moment, because I've heard the stories. God is a missionary God, and he continues to seek on his behalf. But what he is creating And you and me are real missionaries. Real missionaries who will be able to go and to use our life and to use our words to lift up the name of Jesus far above any name under heaven on earth over and over and over again. You may not have known it, but we were singing Revelation 5 earlier. And then they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain. And by your blood, you ransomed the people for yourself from every tribe and every language and every people and nation, that you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our gods, and they shall reign on the earth. Every people group needs Jesus. Every tribe needs to hear the name of Jesus in their own dialect. Every language represented in God's redemptive plan, he wants the whole world to fall on their knees before Jesus himself. And that's what happens here. Somehow we've turned this moment and turned it all about emotion or experience. What Jesus is trying to drive and tell us today is he has made it about mission. The reason you have power and the reason you have witness is for someone else. At the end of Pentecost, at the end of this feast, at the end of this chapter, we see over 3,000 people come to know Jesus. 3,000 people, presumably from every corners of the globe, over and over and over. We love missionary stories. It's amazing. When you hear stories of people giving up their whole life and going abroad, This is much more simple than that. This is just everyday people having an encounter with an unbelievable God so that you are experiencing personally and then just sharing with the people around them what has happened. We just heard in our prayer room uh, before service of a man who came to know Jesus on his deathbed after a 20-year witness 
Some lady praying for the same man for 20 straight years. Thanks be to God. He has turned us into gospel proclaimers over and over and over again. So Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will come upon you so that you may be my witnesses. We're going to come back to that phrase over and over and over. The reason you will receive power, the reason you will receive the Holy Spirit is so that you will be able just to share and to say the things that you have seen God do over and over and over again. So what about you? When's the last time you just opened your mouth and became a witness to God? Where the church of Jesus Christ gathered, assembled in his name. We're to receive encouragement through the preaching of his word. But we're also sent out to those doors. To every corner of the Tri-Cities. In your own dialect, knowing your own kind of terminology, in your own workforce, or in your own hobbies, or even in your own neighborhood. The power of the Holy Spirit to be my witness. The question today is, well, what about you? Let me pray for us. And so, Lord, we pray that every believer this morning will become emboldened to become a minister of the gospel, a great proclaimer of Jesus. Have we ever thought of ourselves as believers, as people who are able to share the name of the Lord over and over and over again? And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we think about what you are doing in our lives, but also what you're doing in this new season in our church. I pray that one of the characteristics is that that we're willing to go, to share, and to give away the precious name of Jesus. And we ask this in your name. Amen. The very first sermon before we come to the table is that God declares... From the prophet Joel, in an Old Testament, he keeps his promises. And God declares that he will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And who will I pour it out on? Your sons and your daughters. And what will they do? They will prophesy. Who else will you pour out my spirit on? The young men. They will see visions. And also the old men. Not only there, but I'm going to pour out my spirit on male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit so they too will prophesy, which is another word for witness. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So who calls on the name of the Lord today? We would encourage you to come to the table and say, this is where my identity lies. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, this was Passover, before Pentecost, he was with his new family and he took, takes a piece of bread and he says, this is my body. And he says, broken for you. What was once a full piece of bread is now broken and shattered and is about to be distributed and shared again, and destroyed even more. And so the picture that Jesus wants us to have this morning as we partake of the table is something that had to be severed, sacrificed for us. 
And so we come to the table, we come under that identity. In the same way, and this is what we've been preaching out all day, is this new covenant, this new spirit. And he says, this is now the blood of a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. And so the broken body of Christ and the poured or the shed blood of Jesus Christ, both given so that we will be forgiven. As we take these elements, as a body of Christ Jesus, we come as forgiven people. We have nothing to hold back. God has wiped your slate clean. And so we would encourage you to stand and come to the table. We would encourage you to sing this communion hymn. We would encourage you to allow these words to be your first witness as unto the Lord. Go ahead and stand. And then these tables are now open.